Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night South Podcast. He is Chris Barlow. I am Tom O'Hara. It is early signing day. By the time you're listening to this, it's early signing period. I guess we just kind of transitioned out of that whole thing. I have an official announcement to make. Good Tom Herman is the worst. The worst. <laughs> that was... There are two things that I saw on, on social media today in response to... Uh, signing day, and neither one of them were from dumbass fans, and I was shocked because if you would have told me like what's going to piss you off the most today, Chris, I would have I would have thought it had something to do with fans reaching out to kids. <laughs> like just, I mean, nope, nope. nope. Tom Kicked Herman off the day with a bang. <laughs> what a great start to the day. If you haven't for some reason seen it, um, we'll we'll talk. We got a lot of signing day stuff to talk. I, I promise we're going to dig into all the nitty gritty that was on Wednesday. But if you haven't seen it yet, there was a clip that went around that went viral early on Wednesday morning uh, of Longhorn Network, the Texas baby that was created to destroy the Big Twelve. And in it, there's a, a transition shot from their their you know their on studios. Uh, you know, crew where they have right. Emmanuel Acho, a couple others as well, and it transitions to this shot. It looks like a almost like a war room. one of those, yeah, like a war room camera. And as it pans to it, Tom Herman is just giving the double birds to the camera. Like, so do we know why it was? No. It was like to be funny, or like was it? Because I was trying to think of like what would possess him to do this. Because if it was not Longhorn Network. If it was ESPN and he thought he was off camera, I could easily see him doing that. If it was SEC Network, I could easily see him doing that, like, because he's that kind of person. But I think this was him, like, like, like you know when you were, like, uh, 13 years old and you'd be like, hey, guys, let's take a picture. And, like, there was that one idiot that didn't know what to do. He's like, all right, dude, give him the middle finger. Like, what a douchebag. That's, That's Tom, Tom Herman. Herman. He's a 13-year-old kid. Tom Herman. It's, I mean, just go, I mean, t- turn in your jinkos and come an adult, dude. This coming from the guy who cries foul whenever somebody gives the horns down. It's penalized. Double words. They get an actual penalty or a fine. And he cries when it's not. That's the sad thing. So, yeah, the context is important with this because if this were just a random coach flipping the double birds, to be honest, we'd probably laugh. But because it's Tom Herman and the the, the horns down context is part of it, Gosh, Tom Herman and Bevo are the two worst things oh, dude. in college football right If it right was now. another coach, they would definitely laugh. I mean, I'm pretty sure... If Coach O did I, this, we'd be laughing right Coach now. Coach O does it at least three times a week. He'll drive to Tuscaloosa and just cut off Saban in traffic. <laughs> I have it on good authority he does that. And, you know, and, and by the way, just let me clarify, that was a joke. So for the one LSU fan that lives in Bumble Blank Nowhere, feel free to not leave a one-star review because of that joke I made about LSU. Yeah, but there were other things to get to with early signing day. Before we get to all of those things, and trust me, there's a lot. We're going to talk Jordan Birch. We're going to talk a little bit of the Bama UGA fallout. Some interesting LSU news that we saw. And uh, a couple of other interesting viral moments that we got to have on Wednesday. Got to tell you about our friends at Sweet Hop. As you know, the college football season is coming to a close but there's still time to catch your team in a bowl game. The lineups are set, and all you need is your ticket into the big game, whether you're hopping on a plane to go see Clemson take on Ohio State in the desert at the Fiesta Bowl, packing up for the beach to watch Florida play Virginia in the Orange Bowl, or hitting up the city, your city, to watch national championship contender LSU matchup against Oklahoma for the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. Seeing a college game in a pro stadium is the ultimate fan experience. Pro stadiums are chock full of amenities, and they have the best vantage points. The suites at a pro stadium take... Up, take that up to a whole new level. Suites were made for discerning football fans who want to not only see every play, 
but also want comfort, fine food, and access to an elevated experience, our friends at Sweet Hop will and can set you up, your, you and your group up. They worded that weird. I got to change that on this. Uh, with the ultimate experience at a VIP suite for your bowl game, suites comfortably seat groups of 12 to 40 people and include special access to VIP parking, extra wide seats, big screen TVs, premium catering, and lots of other exclusive perks, not to mention getting to skip those long lines out on the concourse. Don't just see the game, sweet the game. If you're ready to live the sweet life, visit sweethop.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com to book the experience of a lifetime before it's too late. And if your team didn't make it to a bowl game this year, that's okay. Did you know that Sweet Hop can hook you up with suites at other events and venues too? From concerts and pro sports to supercross and family events, Sweet Hop is the largest luxury box and VIP VIP suite marketplace in the world for private and shared suites. They have the best selection for stadiums and arenas nationwide. With Sweet Hop, there are no hidden fees, and you'll have access to our friendly, knowledgeable, personalized service team of suite experts. Our partners at Sweet Hop are offering $500 American dollars off a private suite purchase for college bowl games exclusively for Saturday Down South listeners. Just head to sweethop.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com and use that code SDS for $500 off any private suite. Discount is valid of any purchase off of any purchase of $10,000 or God, more. you're so close. You're so close. You messed it up at the end. I Listen, in the time it took you to read that, I know this is going to shock you. No way. There was a there was a flip. <laughs> so oh man. There was a, a top 250 and a four-star receiver that flipped from one SEC school to another SEC school. Burton? The rankings are changing. No. Don't don't start with me. Oh, um, I think you said Bryce. Never mind. Sorry, I'm on pins and needles over here. But yeah, it is. It is definitely. Um, it is definitely signing day because it's just like constant. It, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't as crazy as I thought it was going to be. Maybe. Maybe because it's like a Bama fan. Like there was nothing happening today. <laughs> it was, just like, it was yeah, quiet. It was definitely really, quiet for Bama. I made that comment on social media, and then of course this is going to shock you. Bama fans did not agree with that and they got upset. Like, oh, really? We had a great day. Like, no one said you'd have a great day. Just very boring day. Yeah, it was just just different day, different yeah. type of day for for Bama. Um, good for the were, SEC though. Good for the SEC. The SEC is going to finish likely with at least six top ten classes, yeah. um, which would be the first time that's happened since twenty fourteen. Ten in the top uh, twenty five. Ten in the top twenty five as well, which is pretty good. Last I checked. Yeah. Um, a team that is going to finish in the top twenty five, but not quite in the top ten. Although after this commitment, they got a very nice boost. South Carolina has Come the on, biggest raise up. splash of the day. Uh, that's North Carolina. Come on. We get I know. We Petey Pablo. Just, I thought we just let it slide. slide. Uh, that's fine. North Carolina had a really good day, too. Go figure. Good for you, Mac. Um, Jordan Birch. Yeah, they finished with a top, like, 16 class, didn't they? I was looking at something that popped up my phone. I wasn't talking about UNC. Oh, okay. Okay. You gave me a quizzical look. I was going to say, don't make me drop some Mac Brown stats on you. Um, the I, big... I hope we get a review on this, too, and somebody's like, all they do is talk about South Carolina and North Carolina. <laughs> um, no, so let me intro this, Connor. Yeah, this My old stomping grounds, the Hammond Skyhawks, three-time consecutive state champions. I think they and won like 11. why was it your old stomping grounds, Marlon? Because I was the defensive coordinator for the seventh grade middle school Skyhawks. There it we is. We averaged giving up, I think, around 700 yards a game. <laughs> um, I, there was there was never even there, there was never a time where I like taught them how to do anything correctly. I taught them how to tackle, and I would say see see what you hit. I'm pretty sure that was it. And, and contain. I was big on saying contain, like contain. Um, 
Anyway, luckily I was not there to help Jordan Birch because I would not have helped him a lot. But he was, early in the season, I think he was rated as high as number one overall in the country. He's a consensus top five guy. Huge, huge uh, uncommitted prospect. And it was weird, too, because, like, even even up till today, no one had an idea. Like, like a lot of, like, I, I still subscribe to, like, the 24-7 Bama site and then also a, a UGA one on Rivals. Because, um, you know, you'll hear, like, rumblings and, you know, you'll, you'll get, a, sometimes you have silent commits and all this other stuff. There was nothing of any kind of substance about this leading up to this. It was, it was just anyone's anyone's guess. All I'd heard was um, that it was going to be down to Georgia, LSU, and South Carolina. That is what I heard going into the day. Um, I think South Carolina had the least amount of promise, I, I think, from any of those predictions. Yeah, my and my the person that I talked to said that they thought it was going to be between Georgia and LSU, and that doesn't prove to be the case. Yeah. South Carolina gets the hometown kid gets a, a kid who um, I think a lot of South Carolina fans were kind of bracing for the worst a little bit here, but it ends up being just <laughs> they a They didn't totally, have to play a game, so. It, true, good point. That's a really, really good point. But when, you have, when you're looking around, you're seeing Georgia, LSU, Clemson, Bam, everybody was after this kid, but South Carolina ultimately ends up with Jordan Burch, somebody who just, you, you look at some of the, the, the stuff on Huddle, and it's ridiculous. I mean, Dude. I saw a clip of him running at 6'5", 270, breaking off this 90-yard touchdown run as a And he's every back. bit of it, too. Like, he's and every I'm bit like, of that size. Oh, it's it's like that. Okay, this is uh this is this is different. This is their highest rated commitment since a guy named Davion Clowney. Uh, yeah, he's not him. he's not as highly rated as, as Clowney. Clowney was different because he was number since one overall Clowney. player and he was a freak. Like yeah. that, that was. But this is not far from it at all. This is not far from it. It's a huge get. And I tell you what, man. I honestly I, I didn't like it wasn't until after he committed that I think I really like the realized how big of a deal this was because. Yeah, it's a great gift for South Carolina. Not just because it's South Carolina and you know what Muschamp is trying to, to build or turn around there and all that kind of stuff. And, and they've done really well with the in-state recruiting the past three years. I brought up last year. Got Zach Pickens like, last year the, too, yeah. Yeah, and they had the top. They got the top five in the entire state, which mm-hmm. I know Clemson still is recruiting on a national level, but that's big for for Muschamp and and, to, and for the the program. But like, this was big, I think, for a number of reasons. One, it would have been I don't want to say devastating. Because not in a rude way, like after the season they just endured and like all the kind of constant, you know, hot seat talk, losing this kid wouldn't have been devastating. It would have been upsetting, it would have been devastating. But losing him to Kirby Smart, losing him to a rival, especially one that you just beat, it's like this, I mean, this that would be tough. That'd be a tough pill to swallow. But getting a kid from this kind of program, like when you're coming in, like this, like they, they've won 11 of the past 15, I think, state championships, right? Like he Decent. come from a like a yeah he come from from a, that that getting winners in place like and to kind of turn the corner in a program and like and and have a different sense of mentality like, like where you're not going to settle for for being four and eight or even eight and four. So if you're must champ though you're, you're right in that it's not like South Carolina isn't the the school that's expected to get the top five recruits in the country. Yeah. it's just it's just not. But at the same time. If you're Will Muschamp and you know that your 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 kid is is you know playing yeah. quarterback on this kid's high school team, that's that's about as good of a setup as you can possibly ask for. Yeah, and you can true. have that relationship obviously in a different way th- than others can. But at the same time, you know, South Carolina hasn't whiffed on these big time defensive linemen, and that's what Will Muschamp is is trying to build his identity around. And the interesting thing is that he has this big day, and it's a huge win for South Carolina. And Muschamp is still kind of considered a dead man walking. And it's interesting because if you look at a place 
like USC with Clay Helton, a guy who's kind of considered a lame duck coach yeah. and the struggles that he had on Wednesday, it kind of makes you wonder why is one of these coaches, you know, who many consider to be a lame duck, thriving while another, Clay Helton, is just not having it. And it's interesting to kind of see all this play out and how big this can be potentially for Muschamp if he's going to keep his job. Well, and I tell you what, in South Carolina fans, I totally understand the fact that you can't recruit, you can't be like a Mark Rick type thing where you you recruit at a high level and the results aren't as great as you were hoping for. Like like. Mark Rick did great things at Georgia, but there was a lot of talk, I think, from among fans that they didn't feel like he maximized his talent. What would be what's frustrating for me with the South Carolina fans with this is I've already seen some that their response to this is we like this is the number two this is the number two overall uh, prospect they've ever signed behind Clowney, right? Clowney, yep, yep. So they have like it's like two, four, eight, and like maybe ten and seventeen will all be on the defense next year. So like of all time recruits. Muschamp's recruiting at a very high level, at a place that I know Spurrier had a good stretch there, but that that state, they were very fortunate because they had players like Stephon Gilmore, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, not Marshawn Lattimore. Um, Marcus Lattimore. Marcus Lattimore uh, and Jadavian Clowney all coming from the state of South Carolina and all being huge, huge recruits. That mm-hmm. That's not like a hotbed for recruiting. What Muschamp is doing now is is really impressive, and I hate the fact that like some of the narrative and, and attitude that fans already have is, well, I mean, if you can't win with this group, you know, like like w- how can you win? Like you're not developing the talents. Like man, he's doing things that like not a lot of coaches have done there, and and I get that you need to have like like produce like results on the field with like wins and losses, but I, I really like what he's doing, man. Yeah, from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, you've got to be pleased. It, that's not necessarily been the issue, you know. If you look at Guys, even like Butch Jones, and I'm not saying that Will Muschamp is Butch Jones, but Tennessee yeah. fans were not upset with the recruiting job that Butch Jones was doing. It was the lack of development. And if you see these numbers that aren't panning out in the draft, then that's a different discussion probably. Right. So that was one of the big five-star splashes that we got on Wednesday. There was another, and this came out of nowhere, and the internet had some fun with it. Let's just say that. Rakeem Jarrett, five-star receiver, flipped from LSU to Maryland. Now, let me say that again, because if you just breezed right past that because neither of those teams interested you, listen to this again. Five-star receiver flips from LSU to Maryland. Be a Terp. <sighs> to be a Terp. I tell you what, help. Rakeem Jarrett, I wish I loved anything as much as I'm assuming this kid loves seafood. Because that is the only way these two teams have anything in common. I I, I don't know. Crab like, cakes and football. That's what crab cakes. And, I mean, like, <laughs> Rake- I mean, good for him. I guess maybe. I mean, he'll start right away. I'm assuming at that program. I, I, side note: the weirdest comment that I saw from this was our boy Dustin Shooty, who's like, I know they just got a big player, but there's no team that has done less with more than Maryland. And I was like, there are a lot of teams that have done less than more with like than Maryland has. Cue but the I mean, emoji of the what's yeah, the, like the, huh? the, yeah, the hand on the chin, quizzical look. Um, yeah, that, that's but me. yeah, that, like I, it's it's it was a surprise for sure. Um, and then you know we were talking about like when we first came on, I said when you were in the Sweet Hop ad, they just lost another receiver, a receiver, four star kid to Georgia. Who flipped? Is, was that Burton who flipped? Um, let me see. Yeah, yes, so we're just we're recording yes. this at four o'clock, and that was no, that's no. been speculated for a little while. Yeah, Georgia, Jermaine Burton. 
yeah, Georgia was getting more and more comfortable with with that possibility. So that's that's interesting to hear as well. So LS, LSU, that it's so on the surface you would look at that and say, why in the world would you look at this LSU offense and not want to be a part of it? And I'm not right. again. I'm not trying to put myself in the same position that that he's in. This is a kid who's who is from DC. He elected to stay home and play for Mike Loxley. Yeah. We know Mike Loxley. Loxley owns ex- that area. He is an exceptional recruiter, and that was one of the big, big reasons that he was given a second chance at Maryland because of all of his connections in the DMV area. So he pulls a fast one on the SEC. The interesting thing, and I don't know how this plays out, but you know, this was a kid who wasn't expected to commit until February. He had right. been an LSU commitment for the last eight months. I don't know what you can possibly say to talk somebody out of going to LSU after watching the season that they've had, but my guess would be something to the effect of this. If you are negatively recruiting against LSU, and I'm not, I'm not accusing Mike yeah. Loxley of doing that. I'm saying if you were to, you would say, look, Joe Burrow is having a historic season. You know where Joe Burrow is going to be when you step on campus? In the NFL. Joe Brady, historic season. Just won the yeah. Boyles Award. He's going to get a huge raise. You know where he's going to be by the time you're done on campus? Probably coaching a Power 5 team. If that's your pitch against LSU, yeah. I get that. Having said, and, and, and in Maryland's defense, they do, you know, from a receiver standpoint, I'm not saying Maryland is by any means LSU, not saying that at all. And I know that LSU's got Beckham and they've got Landry and they've got receivers who are very, very talented, Shark as well. Stephon Diggs and DJ Moore, not duds, relevant no. top 20 NFL receivers. nothing receivers. to do with the current administration. Had, yeah. True, nothing to do with the current administration, but I would just, I'll throw that on in there. It was still very interesting, though, to see a move of, of that purport. Like, you would not expect LSU, given what year yeah. that's been, <laughs> to have a, to have an update like that. We can all agree on that. I, so, it'd be, it'd be 100% honest, I totally forgot that kid was from, from the D.C. area. Which I mean, That makes sense, because, and like, Loxley, he recruited, when he was at Bama especially, like, we had a ton of kids that came from up there that were... All huge recruits like I know Terrell Lewis was a big yeah. one. Like there, there's so he did a great job in that area. Make it Fitzpatrick like, too, wasn't he? No, he's from uh, he was from New Jersey, but like kind of similar yeah, area. But similar. I mean, but but he, but like people, I don't think know this as much because we always talk about Florida, Texas, California, and, and Georgia. I think is probably better California, but like, but Maryland and DC area is a is a really really talented area it full is. of like yep. football recruits. So um, not that surprised that I I tell you what I was surprised about in terms of. Like just receivers specifically, yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding like rude, and I'm sure people are going to take it the wrong way anyway, so I don't really care. But Georgia, who's put together a phenomenal class, of, like 17 commits. I think it's it might be 18 now, but 16 or four or five star, right? Like one of those three stars they have is a kicker, which you know, so that doesn't even count. Like even is, count. this is an incredible class. They still they still could get two more five stars. I was a little bit surprised, and I'm not saying this as a slight to Georgia. I'm saying this because looking at what James Coley did on that offense, to be able to get receivers of the caliber that they got, I was I was a little bit surprised. Because like the kid they got today, um, the top 100 kid, I'm, he's, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. So we, uh, we're going to get to him later, Arian Smith. Arian yeah. Smith, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he seems like from a skill set standpoint, very similar to Demetrius Robinson, and that's a kid that's not used. So here's here's my my thought on that because you bring up a lot of good points and I think this is all taken into account and we're looking at this maybe more so from the position of of fans who have watched these offenses who kind of feel like we have a really good grasp on them right and I think 
what needs to be factored into the equation, and this happens a lot in recruiting, every, every case is different, but there are a lot of kids who would look at that LSU situation and say, yeah, they got a great offense. They're doing big, big things right now, but man, they're loaded. Like the Blinnikoff yeah. winner is coming back next year. Yeah. I mean that's that's a crazy thought. Like these yeah. guys are are young. They're you know Terrence Marshall's coming back next year. We don't know about Justin Jefferson just yet. Like this is a really really talented group, and it's not right. like they've been slacking on the recruiting cycle the past couple of years. So if you look at that situation and you say, well, they've got all these established guys. I look at that Georgia situation. Yeah, George Pickens is coming back. Yeah, Dominic Blaylock is coming back. Five but star. at the same time, those guys haven't necessarily taken their game to that level yet. And you right. can pitch that as, hey, look, this is competition. This is these. There are open opportunities for guys, and maybe well, Kirby said that's it. That's the angle. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know if we have. I don't know if we have like four guys on this team right now. They're gonna be, you know, like it's it's, fair. So, yeah. That's and you know, and here's the thing too. People talk about this all the time, like with Georgia, because they 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 are a machine right now in recruiting. Yep. And I don't, I don't think it's easy to say the bagman thing and make jokes about that. If you haven't been to Athens, Georgia, it's it it's pretty understandable it's pretty understandable why kids would want to go there okay i'm 33 i still want to go there and do things that 18 year olds do it's it's, it is the (laughs) most fun place ever man it's it's the best it's the best college town in the sec so i totally get why you know it's such a a great draw and kirby's a hell of a recruiter man what do we got to talk about next let's talk about some a couple of uh, so on those on the lsu note you know, LSU's day started kind of weird because it had four-star safety, Malcolm Green, flipping to Clemson. He had yeah. taken a last-minute visit with Clemson. So that wasn't totally random, kind of out of you know out of nowhere. LSU also missed out on the number one recruit from Alabama, inside linebacker Demoy Kennedy. Um, mm-hmm. Alabama sort of just had to fend off LSU to be able to do that. Um, but did also get a big-time signee with Philip Webb, um, you know, yeah. kid from Georgia, committed to LSU and Eric Gilbert. in Florida. And Eric Gilbert as well, uh, tight end out of Georgia, five star tight end. Didn't have any sort of drama with him. No, he did. He year. did. There was several crystal balls after he had like from twenty four seven. Oh, I meant like, today. It was yeah, like eighty five percent. I looked at the other day. It was like eighty five percent prediction he was going to Bama, and I was like, what? And he just he signed with LSU. Like, yeah, no no drama today. Yeah, um, but a been committed for the last couple months. So if you're an LSU fan, yeah, maybe you're hoping to, to to end up with that number one class, and you're thinking that would be the perfect yeah. way to kind of cap off the year that's been. But at the same time, I think this is just kind of par for the course. And LSU is in one of these positions now where they're part of that elite group of five. There was yeah. a stat that was thrown out there from. I believe it was Nick Baumgartner who covers Michigan for The Athletic, and it was Georgia, Bama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State. 26 of the top 50 recruits in the country are either verbally committed or have signed with those schools. That is why that's, we don't that's get... That's low. <laughs> I know. Like, it's probably going to be higher by the time this, yeah. this is done. But I would love to see that's what the five-stars number is. The five-stars is probably even worse. Because, well, I mean, like, well, what do you call it? Uh, Clemson has like six... I know Bama has like three, and, and I tell you what, and LSU fans, I was gonna, I'm, you know, I'm still gonna make the joke because I heard Coach O say in the locker room, "We won't whip that in recruiting." You didn't. However, looking forward, this is scary to think about the possibilities of what Coach O is a phenomenal recruiter. What they have going on there is, I, I it kind of more attractive than what's goes on at Bama. Like that, that seems like a more fun program than than going to Bama. Like, is that crazy for me to say? I'm just, I'm not, it's not crazy for you to say. I'm just I, surprised that you're saying it. I just think that, like, with the the, the specific area, too, because they used to just put up a fence around the state of Louisiana, and a lot of those home, home home state kids just stayed in state. But you can also reach into Houston and reach into parts of Texas, like, right next door. And, and there's, they're going to be, 
they could be dangerous for a while now. A long time. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that. And, and I think LSU is kind of going to get to that point where, yeah, I think they're going to have they're going to have changes in their staff. And I know that they were able to survive the the Aranda UNLV scare, but you know, Damn. I think LSU's. I think their moves are coming with that staff, whether, you know, yep. Joe Brady, we expect that raise to be announced very, very soon and made official and all that stuff. But it's going to happen eventually, and you'll see the way that it impacts them because this is kind of their first time dealing with this sort of deal yeah. of being one of the headhunters. This is this comes with the well, territory. And and the, the bright side of that, the silver lining, before you, like they get nervous about it, Coach O's the one that already made these hires. Coach O's yep. the one that kind of pieces his whole staff together. So, I mean, he's one for one like in, in transition so far. So absolutely the, the days that were for Bama and, and UGA um, a little bit up and down. I think that's fair to say. I think that both fan bases were kind of hoping to be able to hit home runs. And we're talking about them with, you know, number one classes by the end of the day, that's not necessarily the case as we sit here and record this at four fifteen on Wednesday afternoon, where most of the hay is in the barn. That's kind of what it felt like for Bama. That's, a class that still sits at number two as of right now, but you know did miss out on somebody like Arian Smith, the four-star receiver that you brought up earlier, who committed to Georgia over Alabama. By the way, he runs the the hundred-meter dash apparently in ten point three nine seconds. How is that possible? That's ridiculous. I did see. Uh, side note: A and M's quarterback. Oh, how fast does he run the hundred? A ten six. He looks like a what? monster. No offense, guy, but like I mean, it's it is. I saw the picture. I saw it was was very surprising. But um, it was yeah, like yeah, he runs like a ten six. Ooh, Anthony Schwartz, heads up, man. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, no, I, I think Georgia. I think had more excitement than than Bama did because yeah, like you said, like the hay was in the barn. They had twenty five commits or twenty four commits going to the day, and it was more just like trying to play defense and keep kids away from, like from from decommitting. Um. It, the, Jim Morris said it. I, I made the joke about it on, on SCS Twitter, and Bama fans got upset about it. It was like, we had a great day. Like, yeah, it, it, you did have a great class. The day itself, yeah. Jim Morris said on the on the broadcast on ESPN, he goes, not a single commitment we watched out of like the eight, you know, they that they aired, there was not a single Alabama hat picked up. That's just surprising. That's all. It's just it's you're, we're not used to seeing that on signing day. Um, I think with the stuff that happened with Georgia, that was. <laughs> Like, I don't think they had a bad day at all. I think they had a good day. It was just kind of like a, you know, like it just ups and downs. They ups hit and the- downs. So they had five-star five offensive lineman commit, Broderick Jones, delay right. his commitment until February. Auburn made a really late push for him. That potentially, you look at a situation like that, given the position he plays, and you say, all right, that's the Sam Pittman impact. You lose yeah. somebody like Sam Pittman, it's it's... Not crazy to think that something like that could happen. Georgia could still end up signing him in February. We don't know as of yet. But Georgia missed out on somebody like Jordan Birch, who obviously there was a lot of hope and a lot of hype that maybe they could be able to get him at the last minute. They still have some things that can fall their way because we're still waiting on five-star cornerback Kaylee Ringo. He's signing. He's going um, to Georgia. Yeah, he said he's signing on Wednesday, but keeping it quiet until the U.S. Army All-America yeah. Bowl. Which good luck with that. If you can do that, more power to you. Not not hating I mean, on that he, decision. He's he's a lock to Georgia. I, like and by the way, with this team, especially on defense, not only do they have like a couple more guys that they should get, they also have all of the guys they already have. <laughs> like on that this defense, that defense is crazy talented, and they're so young. So I think I mean, they're they're gonna be fine. Yeah, five-star athlete uh, Darnell Washington. He's not going to announce until the Under Armour All-American game. So potential two more five-stars for yeah. Georgia. Don't necessarily know how those are going to go uh, just just quite let me, yet. Let me be petty real quick, and I want to give a shout-out to my, my hometown team. Let's do it. Georgia Tech. 
21st. Is that why you're wearing a Georgia Tech sweatshirt today? No, I'm wearing I'm wearing it because it's comfortable and it's cold as balls here. It's ridiculous right now. It's like 30 degrees outside. Ooh. But um, I, yeah, I was pretty pumped. I was pretty pumped for like for the the local local team. And the, it, I don't know if you saw this. I put it up. Uh, I tweeted out earlier, but. Jeff Collins coming out with the, like the, the Waffle House promo. Basically, they were like, you know, like like basically talking about his recruiting prints. He's like, "There's over 400 Waffle Houses in the state of Georgia." I was like, "What are you talking about?" But at the same time, just keep talking about it. You're in that place to. Um, I'm sure our listeners, there are some of our listeners deal with this, and I deal with this with um, with going to Orlando Magic games. Yeah, where you want the team to kind of get good because they're the local mm-hmm. team. You didn't necessarily like grow up rooting for them necessarily. You want them to be entertaining, but you don't want them to be entertaining to the point where you can't afford tickets if you want to go on the yeah. night. Yeah, <laughs> I, I still want those nine dollar tickets, dude. I, you I do. still want to really go those nine dollar tickets. But yeah, it was anyway. We'll stop talking about Georgia Tech. I just thought it was cool. There was <laughs> there was a couple surprises like of schools of that nature, and we'll talk about the SEC schools again. But like teams like Kentucky, like these teams that yeah, are heck of a we, day. we kind of honestly like. They're they're low hanging fruit to kind of kind of make to become like the butt of jokes stuff like that. Vandy shot up to fifty second in the country today for for uh, their recruiting class, which like doesn't sound that great, but from where they were going into the day, yeah. a lot better. Um, I, so I, I thought you know they jumped Mizzou. I, I thought I thought there was a lot of schools uh, like that that had some good days. Kentucky too worth noting. Kentucky its highest rated recruiting class ever was yeah. back in 2014 at number 22. That is still very much in play. Kentucky was just as you know as Michael Bratton said the other day. Kentucky, the more you look at it, you're like, wow, they're they're still very much in the mix for all these different four star guys. They're, battles too, man. Yeah, winning battle. Got a guy, uh, Josiah Hayes, who committed to Kentucky over Ole Miss. That actually prompted a little bit of trolling. Oh, that's good. A little bit of trolling from a Kentucky assistant who went out and basically, you know, had to fire a shot at Old Lane there. Um, that's good. Because, you know, Mississippi native, former Ole Miss uh, commit. But, well, but that was kind of Kentucky's day. And they had that kid from, from Mississippi, they got another linebacker from Dublin, Georgia, who just won a state championship. They got a kid from Knoxville, I believe. Yeah, they're recruiting all over now. And, and, so, and like, every time I ever hear – when you look at Kentucky's classes, and, and like, this is not going to be 100% factual, but I, I, I would venture to say it's probably about 95% correct. You go back and look at Kentucky's classes, any of these four-star guys that they've had, usually they're from Kentucky. Usually like that, from Ohio as well. Yeah, Kentucky exactly. Ohio, so like yeah. they get if they get a guy that is a a bigger recruit than they usually get because it's it's a lot of three stars and stuff like that, and then coaching them up. But when they get these guys, they're almost always a local kid. So yeah. it is it says a lot that that Stoops is kind of able to to venture out and, and start you know like broadening that brand like in other SEC states. I think I saw that Josiah Hayes was the highest rated deep South recruit that Kentucky assigned during the Stoops era. I think that's right, okay. which is, I mean, that, that's a crazy Well, I mean, the kid from kid. Matt Elam was, was the five-star. I wanted to put the helmet on his face. Where was he from originally? <laughs> He's from Kentucky. <laughs> but deep south, so like basically like below, oh. I, I think, I, I don't know what, what constitutes the deep south line. I'm sure. I would like to know the know different that. areas yeah. of the south and what they're, what they're known for. There's the diabetic south. There's a... <laughs> <laughs> Just the panhandle, that's the, that's just right. its own thing. That's That can't be part of the South. That's just its own region. Um, no, I, I thought there were a lot of other interesting uh, takeaways from the day that was in the SEC. And speaking of Ole Miss, being a new coach in the SEC or being a new coach in Power 5, it just seems like it sucks with this Dude. early signing day. It seems terrible. Like, hearing some of the stuff that came out. So, for a little perspective on this, Lane was introduced as Ole Miss's head coach nine days ago. 
Got to hire his coaching staff. Got to keep a roster in place that, by the way, oh, had threats of half of the team leaving. And then all you got to do is go out and just try and sign a recruiting class and salvage as much as possible. Kentucky, you got to your boosters. Got to learn your area. Yeah. Got to move, Connor. All of it. You got to move. Gotta, there's no time to sleep. And if you're – so you're Kiffin. Ole Miss had 11 kids in, in December decommit, four of which were after Kiffin took over. Yeah. A lot of those kids, a lot of those kids were right after Matt Luke or right before when they found out that that was a possibility. So, if you're Kiffin, doing this in nine days just seems ludicrous. And I give Kiffin credit because he's still going to probably finish with a top forty class. But you look yeah. at Mizzou and Arkansas, and you're just like, yikes! That's I tell you awful. what, man. That is just a like you know those like slap fights you see like it's become a trend now. It's like where they look like they're like at an arm wrestling table. But it's just like them slapping each other to see who, I don't know how you win, but like. Sounds terrible too, yeah. It is terrible. But like, that's basically what was happening with Mizzou and Arkansas today, which is like, which bottom feeder can bottom feed the most? Like, Arkansas skyrocketed up the rankings today, up to 111 at one point. Well, they, up they're up at like 95, I think, too. Most no, recently. they're at 113. No, look at it, because they just got um, Miles Slusher, um, a four-star defensive back from Oregon. They were able to flip him, and they moved up to 95. That okay. was at like 320 or something, like right before we came on. So that, like, that, that just goes to show you, though. They get one four-star kid, and it moves them up that high. That's how rough it was. So as of 2.50 p.m. Eastern time, Arkansas had five signees and three more verbal commits. That's on That's good. signing day. Okay, so That's they're up to 86 day. now. They're up to 86. This is there you fun. Go. Um, anyway, so, but like, th- that, the fact that we, I made the joke about the slap fight is because both these teams, they're going to finish most likely around, well, I don't know, Vandy might, might compete for 14th or 13th, but these two have the most obstacles to overcome, I think. And these two head coaches, yep. especially. Like, for sure. And I tell you what, man, Elijah Drinkwitz, he, he, this not a great start. You come in. You don't look the part, and I, I'm not judging you based off your looks publicly. I'll do that in private, and I make jokes about you. But like, when you come in and you've already had a, a, a recruit's parent call you out on Twitter for being a liar, That's a tough look. Like yeah. that is a bad look, and you like because Mizzou is an afterthought already, and like this guy could be a great coach, and he could do he could do great things there. But you, when you see these moments where it's like somebody picks up a hat and then you know throws it on the ground, and picks up another one, like. You don't ever see Missouri involved in stuff like that. And twice today, they had a Missouri kid either in a jacket or a hat that was taken off and then revealed that he's going to Arkansas. So Barry Odom still undefeated against Arkansas or against his. Uh, Yikes! It's, it was it was it was it was tough to watch. But like I tell you what, man, if you're there for nine days and you have all those stuff like you just mentioned to worry about, and you're already being called a liar from like the the recruits' parents, that is that is tough. Here's here's what I'll say in their defense though because yeah I mean that's all if you're if you're lying to recruits you're saying that you're gonna play one position instead of another bad look obviously that's not good I think stuff stuff just falls through the cracks with this with this quick yeah. turnaround and I understand they're paid millions of dollars to make sure that doesn't happen but I think these guys are human beings on very little sleep who are dealing yeah. with atypical circumstances that's not just preparing for a game. We heard from uh, a kid out of Oxford, four-star athlete, J.J. Peggs. I think it's Jeremiah. He goes by J.J. Peggs. Um, Sure, why not? He committed to Auburn, and it wasn't really much of a surprise, but you find out afterwards that Kiffin didn't even talk to this kid. And you're like, wait a minute. This kid is a four-star kid from Oxford in his own backyard, and this this kid said (laughs) that Ole Miss and Kiffin had set up an in-home visit but then when they had texted him back, Kiffin didn't didn't respond or whatever it was. 
And the kid's like, yeah, I just thought Ole Miss wasn't interested. I committed to Auburn. Gus was much more upfront about communication, all those things. Hey, bro, there's two signing days. <laughs> like, <laughs> like true. I mean, yeah, like, like we are so unreasonable nowadays with like as people in general. Like, like again, not trying to excuse what happened because like, he was going to Auburn either way. We talk about all the responsibilities. They had to move. Yeah, they had they to. Had no like, that is the worst. You always say it's like it's the worst thing we do as human beings is, is like to move and, and, and to defend Drinkwitz real quick from a zoo in the same in the same boat. How did I don't know how this dad would know that he was lying? Like who told him that that just was he would be so sold and convinced that he was lying? But also, how would Drinkwitz know his his roster and needs and all that kind of stuff so well that he would know like yeah we're absolutely going to take this kid's a running back we're going to switch his to, to linebacker? Like, he don't know. Like yeah, I, I don't know why that's always, like, people make such a big deal of it. I, and I get it. Like, I totally understand if you're a kid who's being told you're going to play quarterback and then you show up. Like, if you were Tim Tebow and you were told throughout the recruiting process, or better yet, how about Lamar Jackson, oh. who wasn't recruited to play quarterback in the SEC, and I think until very, very late in the process, and you're told the entire time, no, you're going to be a safety. And yeah. then, you know, you show, you show up on campus and you're not playing the position that you want to play your whole life. I get, I get it from that standpoint. But at the same time, it's like if you're trying to look at this and, and pretend that coaches have a 100% clear vision for the next four years yeah. of your future when you just met them a week ago, I don't know. That, that seems a little bit naive. It seems very unreal, unreasonable. It's, and I, yeah, I think, I think you're completely right on this one. Uh, and by the way, Missouri now is in 14th place. 14th in the SEC behind Arkansas. Yeah, they're 96th. They started the day at 64. So Yikes. by math, that is that is worse. And and, and Mizzou, like Mizzou, actually, you know, Drinkwitz tried to keep some of the staff in place. And yeah. I realized that not keeping Barry Odom in place is the ultimate thing that that's going to matter at a place like that. But he tried to keep some of that current staff in place, probably in part so that they could help in recruiting because this yeah. was the this was the issue that we said going in was that. He, he's going up against it. When you don't have those connections in that area, that area is now more competitive than ever, I think, too, in the St. Louis area. People are really realizing how good yeah. of a market it is. And I think if you're if you're coming in with that limited head coaching experience and it's you know, you've been oh, at NC dude. State and, and especially tough. East St. Louis too is, is a is a pretty good recruiting ground. But like but out of the out of the three head coaches, Lane Kiffin wasn't a head coach in the SEC already. He was at Tennessee. He was in, not in the same division or state, but like he knows at least some and he's gonna be around people that have also been Pittman is very familiar with Arkansas. You know what I mean? Drinkwitz is like it's just like a, a foreign exchange student. It's like we're gonna move your cubicle, by the way. You gotta yeah. like hit the ground running. Yeah, okay. Kiffin uh, is still in line to get potentially a couple more, a few more four stars that he's in the mix for, kids that aren't going to be signing until February. So worth keeping you know, that in mind as well. Is that yeah. These numbers that we're going to throw out here, these are all, you know, they, they're going to change and they could change in February. There are still some uncommitted blue chip recruits for sure. Kid who is committed, you just fist pump. That means that Bryce Young is officially committed, officially signed with Bama amidst speculation that he was potentially considering a flip to USC. Is that correct? That is correct. Big I know. That's, I know you too good. well. I know you too well. <laughs> that's a, that's that would have been that would have been a bad end to the day. Anyway, anyway, Emmett Smith's son. This was yeah. interesting. This was a really cool moment of signing day, and I understand that it might you know Florida fans might have looked at this and they're, and they're you know they're frustrated. Florida fans didn't necessarily have the day that they were hoping for. They didn't get a lot of those skill position guys they were hoping to get, and that's a different discussion that we'll get to. But I want to hit on this because Emmett Smith's. Emmett Smith's son, D, uh, EJ, is going to Stanford, and he picked Stanford over Florida, a few others, a uh, kid who lives in Dallas. Really cool moment that they showed on ESPN where afterwards, 
Uh, Matt Schick is is asking Evan Smith, like, hey, like, what do you think about your son, like, not following in your footsteps or going to Florida? In your face, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> and Evan picks up the Florida hat. He's like, oh, I'll wear this hat, whatever. And you're thinking that he's going to give some sort of, like, disappointment speech. Because we've seen this so many times yeah. on signing day with, like, disappointed parents who are like, Angry I can't moms. believe. Yeah, I can't believe my kid made this decision, whatever. And Evan Smith gives this great, like, minute and a half little little speech about, you know, his son is is in that position because of how hard he's worked, and I want him to set his own path. I don't want him necessarily to follow my footsteps or think that he has to do anything just because I did. He'll always be a gator in my my eyes. Like, all these different things yeah. that just kind of make you realize, like, oh, you know what? Even somebody as big as Emmett Smith can kind of understand how big this moment is for a kid like that. And even though this yeah, wasn't it's, a future it's SEC son, player. man. Very cool. I, very I, think cool. That, I think that's like, we get to, you get to a point at some point, like, it, like fans... So I, t- I talked to Chuck Smith about this, all right, like last week. And he he went to Tennessee. He was and he was like a first round pick in the NFL draft. And, and I was asking because he knows I'm a fan. And he was like, he was like, I was like, oh, you know, how about Tennessee? He goes, I, I'm Chris. I'm not like a Tennessee fan. Like I went to Tennessee. I will pull for Tennessee. He's like, I have an 18 year old son. He's in the middle of recruiting right now. Like that will be my team wherever he goes because yeah. those are the priorities you have as a, as a grown up. And those, I thought that was. It shed a light on stuff like that. I, I just didn't really think about it because we think as fans all the time, it's like, well, yeah, he's a legacy. He's going here. He's going here. And, like, you know, I, I haven't been around Stanford Twitter that much. I'm assuming <laughs> if he didn't go to Stanford, they wouldn't be as angry as the other Twitter fan base. That's a good point. But, but I mean, I think it was it was cool to see that in that moment because I don't I don't think he was doing it to get out ahead of his kid getting, like, blasted or anything like that. Because, But it was one of those things where – he brought he did it in such a calm way that he brought the whole thing into perspective. It was like, oh wow, yeah, you know what? Like, this is more important. <laughs> this is like For a really sure. cool thing. And like, the, and like he can go have his own experience. And I tell you what, you know what's what's just crazy stat is now Barry Sanders' son and Emmett Smith's son both chose Stanford. Isn't that nuts? Yeah, that's that's pretty incre- incredible. So and, and, and McCaffrey's son as well. Well, it's not for yeah, that McCaffrey's son. Yeah, um, but yeah, him and then uh, I think. Like I didn't realize how old I was because Mushin Muhammad, his son. Oh, we're gonna get to him in a little bit. We're gonna get God. to him. God, did you watch also the uh, Elvis Dumerel's nephew, his his commitment? Very long commitment. It's like thirty minutes long. It just didn't stop. Those are tough. Those are those uh those are not the most efficient thing on signing days. Like when we cover when we cover this, I like the the Jordan Birch announcements where yeah, you, you know get you right get, up. Yeah, you, you get your AD. He's gonna say a few words, and then the kid goes right up. And within ten minutes of the scheduled announcement time, you have your decision. Crowd goes nuts, and that that's all. Like because we yeah, go from one, one thing to the next. This one a commercial was break, and then he came. They came back. He's like, all right, now the the black guy from Police Academy. <laughs> like it was like the Michael Scott like thing from uh, it was it was crazy. Um, no, but it, it was anyway. It, we're, I'm I'm old. That's the moral of the story. Let's talk about Baylor. It's well, real quick before we talk about Baylor, is is this something if you're a Florida fan and and not just the the EJ Smith thing, but is this something if you're a Florida fan with this is Mullen's third cycle, second full class that you're starting to worry about? No, this, no, no. You're, okay, I know they they just signed an elite class. Don't give yeah. me wrong. Is it weird, though, and I'm not saying this just to hate on Florida. I'm saying this because I saw this from, from recruiting experts as well that were throwing this out there. Only four four-star skill position guys. Mm-hmm. At a place like Florida, which I, we tend to think, man, like the star power. you got an offensive mind. Dan Mullen, you know, if, if you were a big-time recruit in what's such a great hotbed, why wouldn't you want to go to a place like that? It just seemed like, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't like massive, massive, Losses that they were suffering, but it was like, oh, 
Thought maybe they'd have a chance at this kid. Oh, four-star running back here. Ah, I didn't get him. Ah, four-star receiver there. Didn't get him. And it's just kind of over the course of the day, it kind of adds up. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, well, the skill players just for whatever reason, Dan Mullen's still quite not on that level yet to be able to recruit elite skill players yet. So I disagree completely. I think year over year, I think this was the... Are you talking about just offensive skill players? Just off... Yeah, I'm talking about yeah. I'm talking running back, receiver, quarterback. You know, you want to throw right. tight end in there. I guess so, so, like, and I get it, but, like, from last year to this year, there's not a team that had a bigger turnaround, I think, in, in recruiting than, than Florida. And, and Dan Mullen, because you, you brought up his struggles before of like, you know, like, you know, he always had one four circuit out of, out yep. of uh, Florida and all that kind of stuff. And you knew that was going to change, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I was critical of like, how good of a recruiter could he be? Because he, he's not a, as good of a recruiter still as, as, as Kirby. But all he's done for the last year is listen to every other person doubt him and, and like wonder, like, is, should we be concerned about this? And, and he just continues to prove all of us wrong. And, and I will say, the four, the four guys, if they have four skill players here, I wouldn't be concerned about that because of the people they already have in place. Like I understand you lose P Ryan, but like the receivers they already have, and because they don't lose all those guys, like I would be way more concerned if he missed out on four star offensive linemen and four star defensive backs and those those kind of places that you need like immediate immediate impact. Yeah, and he could be he could be just trying to you know really focus on building from from within. I, I get I totally get that. I just you know I think it's interesting to kind of look at their roster and realize. They're, they're going to lose, I think, four receivers to the NFL draft, and that's before we know the decisions yet of somebody like Kadarius Toney, um, somebody like Trayvon Grimes. We don't know necessarily what they're going to do, but that, that's a situation I would look at and think, man, why, why wouldn't I want to go be a part of that? You know, you got yeah. a p- chance potentially to play immediately if, if you're a stud. Like, they don't have those, like, legitimate all-SEC guys at receiver. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that from, from that perspective, it's at least interesting. But something that I, I think that Florida fans will kind of have in the back of their mind if they don't see those skill players develop. Right. If, it's different if they turn into all-conference players, for sure. Okay, let's talk about Baylor. We need to. <laughs> so just, just let me peel behind the onion here. I'm looking through the dock, and it just says, Baylor made puppet videos. <laughs> Baylor. Baylor, 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 Baylor. You spent the whole year doing so well. Bless their hearts, man. I, I mean, this was like if somebody got hired as like a, uh, a, like a receptionist. Right or like or like was like get, getting a new job after like a DUI or like they're in some like you know rehab program and they've done they've done all the right things they got a promotion they got a raise they came to work on time every day they did so great then at the end of the year for whatever reason they're like I want to show y'all puppets what is happening <laughs> this would be like if Lane in the first week on the job at Ole Miss like tweeted a pic of his junk or something like that this, this would this would like, literally be the last like three years man if what are matt you doing? rule if matt rule showed up to the end of the year baylor like reception after the year they've had it would be like if he showed up oh okay so here if oh, he showed up, up and then like took his shoe and sock off and just put it on his hand and was like all right i'm gonna do a show real quick like what like okay if you haven't seen it yet go watch the baylor commitment videos signee videos whatever you want to call them People don't like puppets as much as Baylor thought, probably. Um, it looks like an episode of Crank Anchors. I saw that tweet thrown out there a few times. It was very interesting. They even had fake hats on the puppets as well. It didn't but it didn't make any sense. It was, like, just it was weird. It, it was never a point where it was like, oh, this is a puppet that's uh, representing an actual commit or a player. It was just like, 
fun with puppets. <laughs> so my, it's only, all it was. my only thought behind their logic is maybe, speaking of Lane, maybe like Lane with that really lame recruiting video they did a few years ago at FAU where he holds up the three that, you know, everybody yeah. uses that gif all the time. Um, what if, I, I think they might have wanted to go viral, maybe. I think they wanted Not, to just say. You don't want say, to go viral for that. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, we're talking about them. This is an SEC podcast, and we're talking about Baylor. We're not talking about him for the right reasons, but. Connor, uh, I got together with some old high school friends, and we made fun of a kid that peed his pants in sixth grade. We're talking about him. It doesn't mean he's doing well. That's fair. I mean, I, fair. I'm just I'm saying you brought the junk, the like, picture of junk. Like, dick pics are a bad idea, but puppets are always also a bad idea. Okay? What's, like, we'll what's make worse? a list for everyone. I don't know. Probably puppets. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Could have been sock puppets. That would have been probably the, the all-time worst. Let's do the all-name team. I, I've had a lot of fun putting this together. Um, and I put this together at about 2 o'clock based on verbal commitments and signees as well. If there's a couple who did not make the list... Post it in our Facebook group. Somebody start a thread and post the all-name team snubs that I left off. But we've got some good ones. We've got some really good ones. Let's start with a guy who you just brought up, Musa Muhammad III. This is a Texas A&M receiver who you might recognize that name because his dad played for a certain Nick Saban at Michigan State. Um, we played in the NFL too. So Yeah, played for my Chicago Bears, and everybody would always say, Moose, and I... It, Got confusing at the end because they, then they would boom for drops, whatever. Let's hope that the up. third does not have that same career. All right, Smart Chibuzo. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Texas A&M offensive guard. Great name, Smart. Yeah, Just name great. your kid Smart. He can't be dumb. Um, Dallas Walker, who is a Texas A&M defensive tackle. And you would say to yourself, okay, that kid grew up in the Lone Star State. No doubt about it. Nope, he's from Tennessee. But his destiny was always to play football in the state of Texas for sure. For sure. Kalen Berry. So, or maybe it's Burry, but it looks like Berry. Not, not as good. Arkansas linebacker. But if you're li- if you're a linebacker and your last name is Berry, I think that's pretty cool. Like you're going to bury your opponent. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 every time I think of this, I always think that like of two things. That one time Bama had a starting defensive line. They could have had a starting defensive line of Ashon, Dushon, and Rushon. <laughs> Which was pretty awesome. And when I was in, by when I was eleven, I want to say, and all those guys were first rounders. I think it was crazy, oh, except for Deshaun. But um, I remember, I remember like the first time I'd ever heard of like the all name team when I was on uh, the eleven year old all star team in Stone Mountain Park baseball. Oh yeah, the the way they did it was like you had you just, every team in the league. You just picked three guys and they went to the all stars. And the the Phillies that year had Artavius, Dontavius, and Octavius. And I was like, you guys are awesome. That is so much cooler than Chris. <laughs> I grew up in a much different area than you did. Okay, where, fair enough. Yeah, where Ian Weinman was more likely to be named to the All Star <laughs> team. We'll just, okay, yeah. just going to throw that out. Moving on. Shout out Buffalo Grove. Um, Arc, uh, Auburn running back Tank Bigsby. Great name. Great yeah. name. Five star kid as well. Um, somebody that Gus Malzahn said he's going to play right away. Likely. Uh, that is Mike Honcho 2.0 right there. Yeah, that's a great name. That's a really good name. Killian Zira. Auburn offensive tackle. I just like the name Killian. Um, yeah. You know, Irishman myself. Because you're an Irish red. Exactly. Lamar Goods, Florida defensive tackle. I've got the goods. That's pretty cool. That's Marketing good. sells itself. How about this? Jeremy Crawshaw is a Florida punter from Australia, of course. What a great name, Crawshaw. they got to get a good yeah. gif of him doing something Australian. That would be Fantastic. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Chug, chugging, uh, you know, a can of Fosters, whatever he's got to do. Yeah, that's supposed to be 18. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> they're probably like 24. Like the Miami punter last year, everybody remembers him. Yeah. That guy was terrifying. I don't like this next one. This guy sounds like he literally came out of the womb wearing a bow tie. Bo Allen, Kentucky quarterback, and his kid from Lexington, not the nose tackle that plays for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah. Caleb Ducking, Mississippi State wide receiver. If you're a receiver with the last name Ducking, I I don't know. Not great, yeah. but um, that's fine. How about There's this no phone? way he ever spells the F word correctly in his phone. With that no, no. no there's no way. <laughs> Every single time. Uh, Tonka Hemingway. Great, great name. Man. South Carolina defensive tackle. Tonka. I love literature, and I love trucks. Tonka Hemingway. Best of both worlds. O'Donnell Fortune, South Carolina cornerback. You know I love me a good apostrophe, but apostrophe in a first name? In a first name? That's that's unique. And Fortune for a last name? Dude's going to make it. O'Donnell Fortune. Oh, man. That's good. That's really good. How about this one? Danico Slaughter, Tennessee safety. Yeah. Safety with a last name Slaughter. That, that sells itself. And the last one, Vandy running back, Rocco Griffin. Okay, and I'm glad we did this because I have something to say. And I don't like I don't, I don't want George Van Six the wrong way, but I was frustrated with something that happened this week in the world of recruiting, and it was this it's a brilliant move. It's a brilliant move from Kirby to do this whole hashtag UGATL. Have you seen this? UGATL so like, yeah, but how does he how does he spell it it's again? Because I haven't seen it. G A T L. So and, and like what they're basically what they're doing is and it's, again it's brilliant because they're they're just tapping into the culture of Atlanta and all of this like incredible rap culture and like fun culture that's in very popular right now with like with kids like that are you know in the age of like recruiting and so I think they had like a, a picture like when they have all the like the recruits go on campus and they put like the whatever team's uniform on they have like the backdrop and it has like a picture of like the trap house and uh, from uh, what do you call it what was the album from. Uh, two chains and then they have like stuff of like downtown atlanta and this is like 404 and, and also there's stuff and it, i think like the varsity and just but it's like showing atlanta right for for athens and that's fine i think that's a good move but then i saw a picture of not just the recruit but the recruit with matt luke and kirby smart in front of it i tell you what i don't want to get defensive of my city here because i know how I, I know what my haircut looks like oh boy but if you're going to promote the city of atlanta Using two guys with three first names—that is a problem for me. Okay, like that is—that is not tapping into Four the culture. Four first names. Smart as a first name. We just yeah, found that out. It's a good point. That's a good point. Anyway, it's, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes though, because I, again, I do think it's a brilliant move, like from Kirby, and I, I can't wait to see more of these things, like the Mississippi made thing we saw last year from Matt Luke. Some of these, some of these uh, kind of like trends and stuff like that—they're trying to—they're trying to build at each at each place is, is kind of fun. What do you think is going to be more successful, UGATL or Duff, Dunder Mifflin Finity? Oh. 2.0. 2.0. Big news that wasn't related to signing day. Um, we're going to have more signing day stuff down the road as yeah. well. If, if there's more you know, big news that happens during the week, it is technically the early signing period. We will be able to hit on that eventually. And then there is still the February signing day, which some recruits will hold out. We're going to do a lot more coverage with that as well. And as always, check out all things SDS for that. Our news team has been dominating the day. Every story you could ever want is up there. Great, great stuff. Not signing day stuff here. Oklahoma. As we found out, this has been there have been some rumblings yeah. early in the week about this. Oklahoma has three players suspended. What were they suspended for? So we don't know as of right now. I had I had heard that it was PEDs and it was similar to the Clemson situation last year. I could be oh. dead on that. 
Okay. I could be dead wrong on that. I don't well, want to say that. Let's not elaborate sure. then. Yeah. Well, not going to elaborate on that. Probably shouldn't have said it in the first place. Not saying anybody's doing drugs. That is only what I what I what I was told. Yeah. Ramondre Stevenson, Ronnie Perkins. I feel like I'm still reading the all name team. Uh, Trey John Bridges. Three guys that are suspended for Oklahoma. And you say, all right, what do, what's the impact of this? If you're if you're an LSU fan. Perkins was their sacks leader. He had double-digit tackles, yeah. tackles for loss this year. Somebody that is a key part of that defense. I mean, having an Oklahoma player that when you even – you say Oklahoma defensive player and then you even use the word tackles in the same sentence, like that's right? – we're not used to that. That's yeah, big. Tackles for loss too. Like they're yeah. going the other way. That doesn't right. happen with Oklahoma no. that much. Um, and then Stevenson was a backup running back, but guy who scored a touchdown in the Big 12 championship. So that's – that's relevant, and then Bridges yep. is a former four-star guy, special teamer mostly. But if you're Oklahoma and you, you know, realize what you're up against here, that's about the worst possible headline that you could possibly see. You know, leading up to this game and seeing this line move even more so in LSU's favor. Now LSU is a two-touchdown favorite in this yeah. one. Um, Joe Burrow's got to be licking his lips already. Probably seeing this. Stop saying licking his lips. You can lick your lips and lick your chops. It's weird. It's a weirder visual when you say lick your lips. All right, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> There's probably a gif out there of Joe Burrow licking his lips. That probably so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but LSU just, you know, everything is just kind of trending in their in their favor right now. I think that's that's fair to I say. I mean, they weren't going to lose that game anyway, but, um, yeah, that is, that, is, uh, that, is, that is not good for them. No, I look forward to the Oklahoma takes of, oh, well, Oklahoma was dealing with all these losses in this game, and they – couldn't stop LSU. I had a Michigan fan come to me yesterday. She's like, "You're gonna kill us," and I was like, "No, we won't." It'll be such a good game. And then she, Stanley, she's, you'll live forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's such a great line. Oh no, Stanley, you'll live forever. But then, but then she made the comment. She's like, "We already have two defensive players sitting out." I'm like, "I don't think you understand. It doesn't matter. It doesn't like doesn't Baylor, matter. Georgia." First off, I love the fact that DeAndre Swift might be coming back. I love that. Or the, the fact, like, I don't He's playing think the bowl he's, game. He's playing the bowl game. Yeah, yeah. and like, and, and the fact that, like, I think he will probably go pro, but those reports came out, and they, they were obviously just assumptions. I love that he was like, hey, I didn't say that yet. I'm not yeah. I'm not leaving here yet. So I think, I think that's cool. I, I honestly, I, I'm excited for that game because I think that, uh, I think that, that some, like, the attitude from last year's Georgia team and that Sugar Bowl versus this year's team is going to be totally different. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited for bowl season. Tentative plan here. We're actually going to be doing something a little bit different to preview all the bowl oh, games yeah. early next week. We're not going to record a podcast on Sunday. We're going to wait until Monday to record this. Can't reveal all the details. Still some moving parts with with that. But a lot we're of have puppets a, and picks. No puppets. Thank God, no puppets. Uh, but lots of picks. We're going to have all all things bowl talk to get you ready. We're going to have. We're scheduled to have a couple a couple really really good interviews as well. This is going to be a podcast that's going to last you all week. That's that's the plan. Yeah. It's going to be really really good. You know how we had like the kind of a double episode for Thanksgiving, you know, where we had the Gene Chizik interview. This is going to be like that and with two with the two interviews that we're going to have, I, I promise they're going to be really really good and all the the stuff that we're going to have to preview bowls. It's going to be great to be able to kind of get you through that that Christmas time when a lot of people I'm assuming are are off work. Christmas on a Wednesday kind of makes it weird with the work week. I don't know yeah. how that works with everybody. But. I, I just I, I hate when it's in the middle of the week because it like it always confuses me because it feels like it's Friday or Saturday. So mm-hmm. on Sunday, most likely I'll be coming down to visit you for a special project that, that Connor mentioned. We'll give you more details later. Then, which is not great because my in laws are coming in Sunday, so that's not a good look yeah. for me. <laughs> so, um, so then I I've, I will be back Monday, and then Wednesday we have Christmas. And yep. then my parents come in town. Oh yeah, which I'm pretty excited about. And then 
uh, Saturday, we are going to be back in the press box, baby. Yeah, baby. Um, we are going to be at the Peach Bowl. And yeah. just we had to we had to you know make um, we had to make some final plans with that, but we are going to be at the Peach Bowl. We're going to record a podcast after that Saturday night. So the plan for next week, the tentative plan. I wanted to get this all out there before Fourth and Wrong, and before we we wrap up here, um, just because I know people kind of will skip through at the end. So the plan for next week is to have a podcast that's going to come out. It's going to come out next Tuesday as well. That's going to preview all things bowl. It's going to get you all the way through, you know, through the weekend. We're going to record it on Monday. That's well, the hopefully Monday point. night. We're going to hopefully try Monday, Monday night. night. Yeah. Hopefully Monday night. But by the time if you are doing anything, you know, getting ready for Christmas Eve on Tuesday, it's going to be there for you. And then we're also going to be having a podcast on Saturday. It, so it's not going to be. Ti- it's not going to be like time sensitive necessarily because we'll, you right. know. And listen, like for those of you that like the long podcasts. This one, I mean, if you if you need anything to like any reason to avoid your family, you want to go for a long walk. We got you covered, yeah. man. You can you can walk for a while because we're gonna have it's gonna be broken up anyway. You'll you'll like it. Let's let's get to uh, let's get to fourth and wrong. Let's get to actually before we do that, why don't you tell us about our good old friends at Texas Pete? Ooh, Texas Pete. Okay, so I had a very big week this week, Connor. I don't know if you know this or not, but I sold the Cadillac. Got, got rid of my car. Okay, so I, um, what's the best way to put this? I am hood rich for Christmas, okay? And there's a lot of things I could use that money on, but you know what I'm going to use it on? The first thing I'm going to go buy, I went and celebrated, treated myself with a nice little thing of tenders from, from Publix and some Texas Pete. I probably should have got champagne, but Texas Pete is like the champagne of hot sauce. There it is. We all agree with that. Um, anyway. Texas Pete, it's December. We've been telling you about it for, well, since January of even last year, because uh, we love it that much. And just because it's Christmas time, don't think you can't put Texas Pete still on everything. Are you having prime rib? I think we are. Probably, I'll find a way to put some Texas Pete on that. Cookies? Yeah, gingerbread sucks. Texas Pete cookies? Not as bad. I'm feeling that. I like don't that. quote me on that. But regardless, uh, it is the perfect stocking stuffer. It is the perfect chalk on your hands if Connor's doing CrossFit when you get that Texas Pete toss. I'm not a CrossFit guy. You know Also, that. You it's know. also, I mean, it's a good dry rub. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Okay, guys? Um, they've got some great gifts for the holidays. If you have a hot sauce lover in, that sounded weird. Um, you know what? No, I, I like it. Hot I sauce think that lover. Would be, that would be it. like my rap name, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, make sure you are checking out all things Texas Pete at TexasPete.com. If you are going to be tailgating or going on any of these trips, or if you are in charge of cooking up something for the big Christmas dinner, and you're using Texas Pete, because I don't know why you wouldn't, make sure you are taking pics, send them on social media with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. We would love to see them and get some ideas. You know you know what's been fun, too, as we as we get out of the, the ad read here? Jenny Bolton's done a great job with this um, in the in the Facebook group where she is just like, she'll volunteer up like different, uh, what do you call it, like recipes and stuff like for like the weekend, what she's making. Um, so yeah, if you guys have any kind of, you know, good recipes, especially if they include Texas Pete, let us know and, and use that hashtag so we can see them. Let's Absolutely. get to fourth and wrong. Let's do it. Before Queso breaks this door down. Um, here we go. We have five questions this week. Uh, Jay Woody, he <laughs> has the first one. He did a Christmas movie theme. Okay, which, I like that. Which means he just, he just capitalized the Christmas movies that he put into the question for no reason. Oh, okay. I, yeah, Love I was you, Jay. up on that. <laughs> okay. So, first thing. But, oh, real quick on Jay. I opened up a gift today from that was that was addressed to Queso. 
Wow. With the return address is from Las Vegas, and I was like, what in the hell is this? And it was actually from Jay, so appreciate that. <laughs> anyway, first question. If you found yourself home alone and in complete control of the TV for 24 to 48 hours, what one actor would you binge watch and never get bored? If you can, give me director, too. I can't give director. I can't give director. I'm yeah. not at that point in my life. Um, Chris Pratt would be a good one. I feel like Chris Pratt's got a lot of good movies yeah. out. I feel like he he's not a and because of his versatility, a lot of different roles. He can do the comedies, he can do the action stuff. So it's not just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, makes sense. I realize, and I don't. I'm not even like the biggest fan of this person, but I kind of looking back, I'm like, wow, I like a lot of his movies. Tom Cruise. That's not oh, going to be God. a popular answer, but Few Good Men, Jerry Maguire. I mean, to me, like Top Gun, like yeah. you could binge watch some Tom Cruise movies and and be. Perfectly fine. I, Sylvester Emotionally, Stallone, I'd throw in there. Yeah. I'd throw in Sylvester Stallone just because you could watch all the Rockies, you could watch Rambo. Right. That wouldn't be bad at all. That makes sense. Um, whew, 20, like this is so weird because he said, "I love that he said twenty-four to forty-eight hours." That's a all, lot. All I could think of is like, like back in the day, I feel like everyone had one family member that was like always like a grandpa that had hair coming out of his ears. It's like, all right, well, I'm gonna put on some John Wayne VHS tapes for the next eight days. Um, I think yeah, like like the Rockies would be good. Um, Fast and Furious. I just, I mean, mm. I'm a big fan. I like, I mean, I just so. So your answer to that question is Vin Diesel is what? No, you're it's The Rock. He's not in all of them though. No, he's he's in the good ones, and he's also in a, a lot of. Okay, other Dwayne Johnson's movies. a good answer. Yeah. That's that's not bad. Um, so I said like The Rock, and then, honestly, like somebody like Will Ferrell. Um, I don't I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. Matthew McConaughey. I mean... All right, all right, all right. Failure to launch, man. It's just... Oh. <laughs> some of those, failure some of those. to entertain me for an hour and a half. Boom! That was good. Okay. Um, let's see here. We're, we're going to get roasted for that. Big time. We, Big we time. didn't say Pesci or De Niro or any of that. Any of those. Yeah, those are... I mean, The Irishman is basically 24 to 48 hours to begin with. That so. movie was not good. I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. I don't have three and a half hours I can just spare Dude, on a movie. Do you remember when No Country for Old Men came out and also uh, The Departed? And they, they came were, out at the same time? They came out like a year apart. Oh, okay. Like, like two, yeah, they were like a year apart. Those were good movies, right? They were good movies. Those movies were so over like overhyped that everyone was like, oh, I love, I love this. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. Like no, they, I don't. They weren't like, that great. De- Departed's decent. It's not like yeah. unbelievable. It's not Goodfellas. I mean, Goodfellas right. is all time. Goodfellas is you. You turn it on and it's you're not turning it off until until yeah. it's over. Even if it does have the you know the if it's on like TBS or something ABP, like that, yeah. it's, every other word's blurred out. You still are watching. What the fruit, Frankie? <laughs> you're um, funny. You're funny. So the second second question here. Uh, this is from Matthew Cedro. This is a good one. My birthday is New Year's Eve, and I don't know what to do. Mm. Should I, he's about to show his age right now, and I, I don't know for this for a fact, but I guarantee you he's 24 years old. He then says, should I spend $125 to go to a private event in the French Quarter with free booze and food and people, I, and people I don't like, or drive to my cabin in Mississippi and spend it with my girlfriend while saving money? Oh my gosh, this is the easiest question we've ever had in the history of Fourth Wrong. We oh, love, man. we love New Orleans. Getting getting to go there was fantastic. He, but I got he to lives spend, there. I know, I know, exactly, exactly. And getting to spend, I you know, the time that I did, especially that Sunday afternoon when I had a late flight in the French Quarter, it was great. Awesome area. Didn't experience the nightlife there necessarily just yet. 
But this is a no-brainer. Go to your cabin. Spend that time with your girlfriend. Save the $125 because New Year's Eve is the single most overrated Overrated! <laughs> so overrated. Never, ever, 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 ever spend big bucks on New Year's Eve. You will always be disappointed. Dude. Don't spend that time alone with people you love. Do not blow it out into something that it's not. It is. I broke up with a girl that I, I actually had dated and like lived with like right out of college. Uh, we did for like four years. I broke up with her on New Year's Eve, and I had no idea that that was like a thing. I was like, "How could you do that?" I'm like, "It's a, it's you're turning a calendar page. It's not a holiday, okay? Like it's, it's a new like, beginning." But but I remember I remember it's actually the same girl. We went we like for whatever reason like in your mid twenties, especially if you like just got a job because this is like the fun thing to do. Everyone's gonna go out and like you're you're still that age, you're at that age where you can afford middle shelf liquor and you and you are you have a disposable income so it's like yeah we're going out we're definitely going out it's like i remember we i had to rent like a tux and we went to this party and this whole thing it was like well and it was with like somebody that was basically into becoming her boss like we were trying to get her a job they were regulars of mine and and this whole thing but but like they were throwing the party it was like 160 dollars for a ticket to the party and then free booze had to rent a tux all this stuff and i remember it was it wasn't fun it wasn't like it was such a waste of money. If you go out to bars, this has happened to me uh, like twice, I think, going out New Year's Eve. I've been standing in line waiting to get my drink, and it had been at least over twenty minutes because it's so packed. While it like the clock struck midnight, I, I just I, New Year's Eve is so overrated. Like, find a happy medium, go to the cabin, or stay at your apartment. Count Easily. it down. Go to bed at twelve oh one, bro. Last year was one of the best New Year's Eves I've ever had. I with with Lauren and I we watched we watched movies on Netflix yeah. and we ate a brie like a brie like a full on brie with you know the the jelly in there it was so unbelievably good I mean did incredible. you wear like a beret and a turtleneck too you sound French right now no, you never had you never had a brie Connor brie's really that good. the New Year's Eve I was describing I walked home drunk through Piedmont Park at four thirty in the morning and had a heart to heart with a stranger that I I'm pretty sure I cried and then I slept in my car outside of the apartment which was open. That's how people die. Yes, it is. And so Matthew Sadro, don't do that. Just don't like. Don't die. <laughs> don't die. Um, all right. Third question from another one of our friends from the Boot, Mickey Sheremy. I didn't include this one, but I got to mention it because he. Uh, I mean, Mickey's kind of messed up, man. I, I love the death. Mickey. Mickey just goes there with the questions. He had the baloney on the face question a while. So he back. followed Eat the Live Pelican. He had this one. He said, "All right, if you if you had to like, I think it was like if you had a thousand dollars." Like on the line, how many pigeons could you carry around for a full day? (laughs) That that, that sentence alone had so many turns. Um, So his question was, you just became a member of the Spice Girls. What is your Spice name? I hate that my first thought was Gingy Spice. Ginger Spice? Ginger Spice? No, I got it, Connor. Yeah, I I got it. By the way, the beard is back. It's been a week, but it's back. Can you focus on the question that you've already ruined? Because that was my favorite Spice Girl. Um, Ginger Spice? Yeah. Oh, she was an actual Spice Girl. Okay, see, I, I forget She's these types of things. She sucks so much right now. <laughs> um, this is bad. Why don't you lead off? <laughs> um, I would say, you know what? This is sassy spice, because if it, was, it still had to be girly, yeah. it wouldn't be like a-hole spice. <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> kind of a I jerk like spice. spice. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, sassy sounds not as bad, but like, like kind of a... Kind of a jerk spice, just like that. What about a uh, what about takey spice? <laughs> yeah, take <laughs> for all my takes. Overreact on Twitter spice. Uh, there's there's so many I could do. What about onion spice? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I like that. Um, 
Okay, onion spice. <laughs> uh, William Spice, like William yes. Bryce. There oh, go. that's good. Uh, what movie has the best quotes of all time? So in Robert E. Lee the Third, he has two questions because I had to include this one. What movie has the best quotes of all time? Man, that's really really tough. I love. I mean, I love a few good men. You can't handle the truth. I know we were just talking about that. Oh, good. Um, Did you order the code red? Um, gosh, I just I think that, I that think movie I couldn't take seriously. He's like, you're a crappy softball player, man. I mean, Kevin Bacon is is pre-Kevin Bacon being, like, a monumental star. It's kind of, you know, in his peak. That's a different discussion for a different time. Yeah. You're playing softball with a wooden bat, so. It wasn't wooden. It was metal. It was definitely metal. It was definitely metal. Um, I'd say say that's up there for me. Man, this is going to sound bad. This is going to sound really bad. The movie that I find myself quoting so much is still Billy Madison. (laughs) Yeah. I quote Billy Madison so much. For somebody that is so buttoned up about so many things billy madison is is an odd one that you get i i that does surprise me by you it's not a bad man, thing but it's like man i'm glad i called that guy <laughs> i mean like because like even happy gilmore is like more respectable than billy madison like billy madison's like it's, it's weird but that's, i mean that's still good it's good for you that's assault My, brother i <laughs> you double dare me um <laughs> i think like oh man like old school wedding crashers, old school especially though. Like we, we did quote it already on this on this very episode. Crabs, cakes, and football. It's from Maryland. Yeah, days. um, old school. I I just like th- there's like a couple of movies like around that time. Like old school and wedding crashers were were two of them, where I have just never like laughed so hard, but where I was trying to catch my breath so I could hear like the, <laughs> the, the next line. Cause, like the, the way Vince Vaughn would like, deliver lines, but like. You know, like the ear muffet thing, or uh... <laughs> you're my boy blue. <laughs> that, well, that, but like there was there was something he said too uh, in the beginning. It was like um, like the the speech at the wedding is like true love. Sometimes sometimes you think you have true love, and you catch the early flight home from San Diego, and you walk in on two guys ready to like a magic show, and it was like this whole like like the 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 stuff that Will Ferrell said in that movie that you know he ad libbed, like where he was like, "Hey, Dad." Like that, that, that line. Uh, it's I just I think it's so good. And the stuff with like uh, there's there's a lot in that movie, man. That gets me every time is when uh, Vince Vaughn is like ear muffin. You can say anything you want. Blank, blank, blank. And he's like, don't say sorry to me. Say to the baby. And uh, and he Will Ferrell says, sorry, baby. That just gets me every time. Um, all right. Anyway, so that would be mine. Last question. This is I'm, I'm excited for this one. Same person, Robert E. Lee III. Did your parents have any tricks to fool you when it came to Christmas presents? My mom would, would tape video games, movies, or CDs in clothing boxes. So if I tried to shack them, I couldn't figure out what I was getting. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't think my parents really had any like major tricks. Maybe they did that every once in a while where you put a CD in a, cl- in a clothing box or something yeah. just to kind of throw you off the scent. But then... The issue is we we pass out our presents on Christmas Eve. We put them under the tree. Then the issue is you know by Christmas Eve if you were getting that. Yeah. So the, the trick kind of falls apart. Dude, the CD I, the CD was always like it was almost like you were forced into. If you opened up one present on Christmas Eve, it almost had to always be a CD for me because it's like all right, I know that's like. What'd oh, you, you would go with the mom? obvious one. Yeah, like it's a Gotham City. Like, why did you buy me that? That was real game for like some that uh, little random computer that you had back in the day 
Oh no, that was in college. EPC. The EPC. <laughs> um, we must okay, so it. I, I'll, I will say I'm, I'm going to share two two stories, and they will they will they will give you an insight into why I am very partial to one of these people, and that's all I'll say. My stepdad, Russell Pye, is the man when it comes to giving out gifts like this, especially uh, for my mom. And so, like, it's. <sighs> I almost feel bad now because he 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 put he set the bar so high for himself, and somehow he still manages to top it every year. But like every year, he gets my mom some kind of jewelry from King's Jeweler in South in Columbia, South Carolina. But like he he's been doing it since I was like little, and I remember like being like eight, and he gave my mom was like, all right, this is the last present, and it was like a teddy bear, right? And my mom was like, oh, th- cool, thank you. And we'd already opened up all the other presents. He's like, and they're making a big deal out of it. And he's like, yeah, you like it? And she was like, yeah, all right. And she's like, kind of looking at it like. This is awkward. Why are you making such a big deal out of it? <laughs> and there was like there were diamond earrings that he had put into the ears of the bear. Oh, and so that's, that's so, clever. And he just constantly has like stuff like where he'll hide something or he'll put it inside of like another present or like um, or he'll be wearing like one year he was wearing like, like pearls or something like that. It was like <laughs> it was. It, he's just he's super creative with it. it, it it's it's so cool that he does it every year to make my mom happy. Like and like gets her something new and goes out the effort, but also still like like do, goes out his way to make creative. The other side of that, oh boy, one of the worst Christmases I ever had, when I was 18, uh, at my dad's house, he wrapped up four gifts, okay, four gifts, they were all boxes, they were all the same size, and the Red Sox had won the World Series that year, so I had asked for like a bunch of Red Sox stuff, I opened up the first one, and he's telling me which one to open, right, and like, open the first one, it's like a shirt, like a, like, like a Red Sox World Series shirt, Open up the next one. And it was like, I don't like a, like a protein thing or like probably some kind of workout thing. Like a like like, like I think one year he got me like rope, which was weird, <laughs> like stretching rope. What? So yeah, that was that was my nineteenth birthday. Um, it took me to Zaxby's on May fifth. Anyway, so the last two, and he specifically told me to wait to open these. I open up these two boxes, and inside, I find a piece of paper he had printed off from the computer. And taped into the box that said the items were sold out. Not oh. not on back order, not on del- That was it. It was like like when somebody says like it's the thought that counts, nope. it, that is true. But it's when it's you never hear it's the thought that counts when you wrap up the thought you that you like boxed and then also wrapped in like in Christmas wrapping paper. Like that's not how that works. It was very disappointing just tell me you didn't get it like i don't yeah. know why why would you do that anyway. like I, I, oh i thought about getting you a new car but i didn't but it's the that, thought that counts right that also happened yeah that was that oh was also gosh. a big one gosh that's rough man mm-hmm. that, that is that is that was painful child we'll do a special there. we'll do a special off-season episode <laughs> of all of those <laughs> let's end with it might mean too much um talked about earlier the rakeem jarrett flip that we saw the five-star receiver who went from lsu to maryland the responses to the tweets. I knew it was going to be it might mean too much material right away. And I'm not calling out all LSU fans because I'm sure it wasn't just LSU fans. Yeah. I'm sure there were a lot of people that were weighing in on this because it was national news on signing day. People responding immediately saying, he knows he's playing football and not basketball there, right? That was, saw a lot of that. Uh, people he's saying that. basketball at LSU, he probably would have gone to LSU because they would have paid him more money. Boom! Roasted. That was, that was coming. 
Um, Maryland, they do that pretty well, too, though, apparently. Yeah, that was the joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, like, paying and, and doing all that stuff, too. Mark Turgeon, not clean. Definitely not yeah, clean. Yeah, not um, People saying, like, he'll win a maximum of 12 games during his entire time at Maryland. Average of four wins, three years to go to the NFL. Whatever. Um, people saying that he's scared of the SEC as well. There were a couple of comments that I think got deleted as well, so I didn't right. want to include some of the more vulgar ones. But there, the replies were, were plentiful. If you want to see more of the vulgar replies... Go go find the initial tweet from Raheem yeah. Jared announcing the decision. Yeah, pretty rough. I I, I will say this though, and I, and I'm honestly here for it just because of like LSU fans have taken and and because of Coach O, they've taken like the trash talk level to a whole like or trash talk to a whole new level this year because because I, I think that like they aren't scared of anyone. They're not scared nope. of any team for nope. sure. But this is a situation. Where I honestly feel like like if depending on if like, if we find out that this kid told Coach O he was going to sign and commit. It is it is not out of question for Coach O to be like, okay, all right, we're scheduling Maryland next year. Yeah. We're going to schedule Maryland, and you're going to go up against Derek Singley the entire day. Like <laughs> That'll be like payback. He'll just like take the the million dollar loss to, to yeah, schedule like, doubt, like out of his pocket. Just, yeah. He'll show up with it like with the rubber bands it. and throw it out of his, out of his khakis. <laughs> I do also want to mention um, some good news that we saw from an LSU fan, and this came out earlier in the week. LSU fan Matt Porter was the guy who bet on Joe Burrow to win the Heisman Trophy with those awesome, 200 man. to 1 odds, bet 50 bucks on it, ended up cashing out $10,000. Found out that so he donated 3,000 of those winnings to Colton Moore who is yeah. an LSU super fan living in Alabama. He's got spina bifida. The family had this goal of raising $15,000 on GoFundMe to be able to buy a handicap accessible van. Awesome, awesome stuff. The $3,000 pushed them just over the top. And he had this great quote that he gave to uh, Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated. He said, any kid who lives in Alabama and loves LSU deserves our love back. i tell you what, man. I, any, I've always heard this my whole life, that LSU fans have been the worst. And I think it's because they, like, they drink the most and all that kind of stuff. I have never had that experience, especially this year, Nor with LSU I. fans. And the stuff that I have seen... From this fan base, and I know everyone does a lot of stuff. Like, George did the thing earlier this season with the Arkansas State head coach and, and the yep. pink thing. I, I mean, the chill is just talking about it. Like, Bama did the thing for the, the police officer that was that was killed in action. LSU fans, it has been so fun to watch them get behind every single part of this team, this fan base, and everyone along the ride for this, like this story this year. Like, this kid, the stuff with Burrow, they raised over $350,000 for, for that area of Ohio that he brought up in, in – uh, Awesome. Like, um, it, it just, it's been so great. It's been so great to watch. And I, and I tell you what, like, you said the other day, and I, I think I rolled my eyes, you're like, like, years like this don't come around very often. I was like, oh, they do. And people go undefeated every once in a while. But, like, they, they not, this is, this does have a feel of, like, it just, whatever happens the rest of the way, like, you know, even if they somehow didn't win the national championship, this has been such a special, special year. It's been really cool to see. Very, very good stuff, and I thought it'd be kind of appropriate to, to cap a day of signing yeah. day where you know people are tweeting at recruits, all that different stuff, with, with some very, very good news. Shout out to Jay Woody for reminding me that I should definitely bring that up on the podcast. Meant to bring it up the other day, simply, yeah. simply let that one slip through the cracks. So great, great stuff. If you have not yet, we have our Bull Mania group. It's on ESPN. Marler's got that posted. Um, on the Facebook group, or he will by the time that this podcast goes I've up. Spent, That's your no, reminder right up. now. It's already, it's already okay, up. Good. I've, I have. So we're gonna do we're gonna do different prizes, and I, I promised you guys that. Ooh. And you know, what I, I I get generous this time of year anyway because I like to have fun, and 
I don't know. You're hood rich, as you said. Yeah. So, but the, I've, I have the tab open right now. I'm thinking about making some custom made SDS pod hats. Oh. Like the like the, the trucker hats we had for the SDS, and then well, yeah. But the only thing is, you can't make them for like like a reasonable amount unless you make like 50 of them. <laughs> so it's like like I don't want to. So it's like, like I tried to make just one. For me, it was $83, which seems unreasonable. But um, Seems a bit steep I'm, for a hat. I'm thinking we'll get some like stickers, and, we'll get, and we'll, I'm going to pull the trigger on the hats. Maybe we'll get like a shirt or something like that made as well um, with like the logo and, and some pretty cool stuff. So make sure you go awesome. join the, that, that group. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll have we'll have prizes that aren't just the stickers that we've, you know, peddled in the past. And first games are on Friday afternoon this year. A little bit of a curveball, yeah. not on Saturday. So make sure that you get those picks in ASAP. Make sure that you are watching Marler on Facebook Live. Are you doing Facebook Live anytime in the next week or so? Are we we'll do back it Friday, probably. Christmas? Yeah. Okay, Friday. Friday, Facebook Live. Make sure that you're watching that. Make sure you follow us on all forms of social media on Twitter, at the SDS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara, at Saturday Down South on Instagram. A reminder, once again, that we are doing a different schedule this weekend, next week with Christmas. It's going to be an awesome, awesome podcast. I'm really, really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of great stuff to get you through the holiday week into bowl season. Coach O, Matt Luke, Marler, uh, whoever we got in there. What do we need to remember? It's all that. King Jared. Go, Maryland. What? You. <laughs> Talk to you guys later.